Hello, peeps. My name is Maricela Herrera. I'm your host, and shit, I just quit my job. <laughs> Still feels funny to say. How many times have you heard someone tell you that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life? I've heard that many, many times, but yeah, that's kind of bullshit. If you ask me, it's completely unrealistic to think that you'll love what you do every single day. However, I do think it's true that if you work on something you're passionate about, work becomes part of your life in a way that is really fulfilling, a way that gives you drive and excitement and energy to get up in the morning. Not every day, sure, but most days. And even when it sucks, there's a reason for you to get back to the grind. The conversation I'm sharing with you today kind of embodies this. Ilana Rai is the founder of Etric Girls. I met her a few years ago since we were both in the women and girls space, and we hit it off. She's really smart. She's fun. She's incredibly passionate about her work, which is something I've always admired. And since I was so passionate about my work and we had lots of stuff in common, you know, we 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 kept in touch. Funny thing with Ilana and what I didn't know is she was passionate about her work even before she was doing the work she's doing now. So she actually has had a career where she loved what she does, even if those things had been extremely different. She was doing something else and then life happened. I can't wait for you to hear her story. She says she's an unlikely founder and um, I don't know. After seeing all that she's accomplished, I, I, I think... I think she always had it in her to become a founder as long as it was doing something that she loved. So hope you enjoy my conversation with Alana. It's, uh, we get to talk a lot about um, how to get started when you're, when you're coming through to building a vision, an idea, something where you think, you know, there's a problem that isn't being solved. And particularly when there's a mission behind it. So right up my alley. Hope you enjoy it as much as I did. See ya. I am so happy to be here with you, Ilana. Um, Thank you for doing this again. I know we tried it the first time and technology wasn't my friend, uh, but I'm sure we'll have another- Second time of the charm. Yep, another great conversation. Um, so why don't we start? Can you tell our audience a little bit about you? I've known you for a few years um, through my work at Elevate and through your work, which I think is extremely cool. Um, so tell a little bit uh, to our audience about what you're- you're doing now and we can then go work backwards um, from the beginning. <laughs> Perfect. Um, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you again. Um, my name is Omar Reya and I am the founder of Etra, which is a mentorship platform for girls. 
and we take girls as early as middle school directly into companies that they ask to see. So think Google, YouTube, TikTok, the stock exchange to meet female leaders face to face. Um, Etra in French means to be. And the idea is to show girls really early everything it's possible to be. I love it so much. I've always been a fan um, because I think, I mean, if I had had that, it would have made a big difference to actually think about all the all the things you could do. And honestly, right now, as I'm going through my journey, I'm not a kid anymore, clearly, but it's nice to kind of understand what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you are not always doing this, um, yeah. which is what we're going to talk about. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your journey before and how, how you got started um, into this world. Yeah. Uh, no, and you and I have talked about this. I am the most unlikely founder. And I'm sure a lot of people say it, but I swear it is true with me. Uh, from the earliest days, I wanted to be a lawyer. And looking back, so much of that is because I had an amazing mentor. My grandmother was a lawyer when women really were. He graduated from Brooklyn Law in 1936, one of the only women in the class. And I've always wanted to be like her. I wanted to look like her and dress like her and go to court like her. And so there was no surprise when in high school, I was gravitating towards a pre-law college major. I went to Smith. Um, I was a government major. I spent my junior year with the Judiciary Committee at the Senate. Um, it was just all in that way. I went to law school, loved it, and went straight to the practice of law. So I went to a big global law firm in New York. Um, I did mergers and acquisitions, and I was the happiest, nerdiest lawyer ever. So never did I think I'd be doing anything different, truly. It was very planned. Like, it, it, it clearly was very planned, right? Like, you, you mm-hmm. do A to get to B to get to C to get to D, and then you keep going. Um, and joyful all the way. I really did love every one of those steps. It kept reinforcing itself. And yes, you love this. Yes, you're loving the people that you're meeting. Um, it, 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 there was never a point where I thought about stepping off because I just had a ball every step I hit. Which let me tell you, I really admire that. Um, I don't it, know when rare. you said, you know, you loved law school. I was like, oof. <laughs> <laughs> so much of that was the people. It was the people and the school. I went to the University of Chicago Law School. The professors who were there, I mean, Barack Obama was a lecturer in my third year. Elena Kagan was on faculty. It was hard not to love it. Yeah. I mean, when you put it that way. And and you and I have talked right. about your time at the law firm because you also really loved it and you loved mm-hmm. your tenure there. And, and I agree with you that the people are the biggest thing. As you were navigating um, having kids and all that stuff, it was also a very uh, supportive place. Tremendously so. I was there for six years the first time. I was at the same firm twice. The firm with Skadden Arps. I was there twice the first six years um, before kids. And the first five years before kids. M&A, I had this tremendous mentor, again, Nancy Lieberman, who actually just passed away this past year, but was such a force of nature. Um, She just took all the energy in the room, every boardroom she went into, and I just got to learn at her cuff. And so I was constantly on a plane with her, in a room with her, and then other partners who inspired me. And then I had two kids within two years, and my husband traveled a great deal, and I just wanted to be home for a bit with them. And I was incredibly lucky to be able to have that choice. 
And I went to the firm and they were stunned. Nobody expected me to want to stay home. Everyone thought I would take, you know, 30 minutes of maternity leave and come back. <laughs> and I, I think I just wanted to truly focus on being home, being with my kids. And I knew the time commitment and the energy commitment that that firm took. And so I left for six years. And I went back to the same firm when my youngest went to a full day of school. I went back. I stayed for another 10 years. But the amazing thing, as you said, is the firm, I went back. I didn't know what they would have for me, how they would feel about it. They had not changed my phone extension. They had not changed my office ID. I think they knew I was coming back. And I just onboarded right back in for another 10 years. And it's the rare, very forward-thinking firm that I think does that for women when they've spent a lot of time training you and a lot of effort helping build teams around you to then welcome you back and say, here you are, same chair. Which is very smart, but yeah, you don't see that, unfortunately, that often. You came back. When did you start thinking, maybe I want to start something else? So it's interesting. I was back for another 10 years and we were building a new department called Knowledge Strategy, where we were creating internal databases for the M&A group to be able to mine the latest and greatest deal terms and deal documents and things like that. And the group really took off and we wound up doing it for about 30 practice areas across the entire firm. In all global offices, we built a team, we built our own products. And so I migrated a little bit from M&A only to working with all the practice areas, building this internal knowledge site. And we got to a point where two things happened. Um, the team itself was humming. Everything was built. The structure was there. I had never really built anything or worked with a team to build before. And it was really exciting. But then it was there and in place. And then the second thing that happened, and I think I said this to you before, I don't believe that I've talked about this on any other podcast, but I, there's no reason not to. I just never think that it's sort of the most intriguing part of the story. But I actually, in 2014, got diagnosed with something called sarcoid, which was a lung infection. And we really didn't know what direction it was going to take. It came on very fast. The options weren't really attractive. We didn't know what it was going to be. But they did say a lifestyle change will help. And you might not have to take these next more aggressive steps if you literally slow everything down and listen because your body's talking to you. And listen to what's going on and put things down. And I knew from when I had been in m and and when I had been home with my kids, I am a very 100% person. I turn my energy towards something. I throw my shoulder into it and I'm all in. And I knew that to do this properly, I was really going to have to put a lot of things down and one of them being my space on that team. And I went back to the firm and told them what was happening. And they were, again, phenomenal. As by this point, I knew they would be. And I left within 30 days of having talked to them it was not the way I wanted to leave the firm. It truly wasn't. But this was big news, and I hadn't really dealt with something like this before. And I stepped away in part because I felt truly that maybe there was going to be time for something else. My kids were going off to school, and this job was really humming nicely along. But then with this added extra mood, my hand was forced, and I stepped out. And I didn't know what was going to come next, but I did know I needed to focus on doing what doctors told me to do. And the result was great. Um, I feel great. Everything turned out the way they said it would. But it was one of those moments where something bigger than you was saying, you really have to listen to something other than your inner voice right now, which is telling you just to keep moving. 
It's interesting. I, I, the more I talk to people, it's always something kind of pushes you in, in, in a different direction in some, mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. And maybe you don't even realize it at the moment. In this case, obviously you did, but when you see it, hindsight it's the universe or whatever it is that you believe in mm -hmm. something is pushing you into a different path you said right now it wasn't the way i was i would have wanted to leave the firm did you imagine yourself just like retiring there such a good question um it's, it's actually a great question i don't know i think i could have easily stayed for all of the rest of my career and continued to build new things and help them innovate. And there's mm -hmm. such a creative, smart group of people. Um, you just want to be there. You just want right. to be in those conference rooms and in those hallways. I had been thinking about the idea of mentorship for a long time. While I was working um, during that second 10-year stint, my daughter had been in middle school. And I realized at one point that she really did not know what I did every day. And that's okay. Working in an M&A group in a law firm is not the most accessible thing to a middle schooler, nor the most exciting thing. But as I really started to look at what my other friends with girls her age were doing, I slowly realized that none of our girls really knew what we did every day. Most of them could tell you exactly what their fathers did every day, but they didn't have a clear handle on what their moms were doing. And it was not the girls' fault. A lot of it was our fault that we were not sharing our workday with them. And again, I'm speaking for a small group of my friends, but we we were so focused on tossing the briefcase in the back seat and tell me everything that happened to you today and not making our job impact the day that I wasn't sharing the ups and downs and I wasn't sharing what I was doing every day. So I started taking my daughter to see my friends at work with jobs where she got it. Let's go see what it's like to be an orthopedic surgeon or run a fashion house or work on Wall Street. And these little 15 or 20 minute mentor moments, she loved them. So I had been thinking about that for a while, sort of on a parallel track with work, wondering what to do. I didn't start anything. I took that whole first year, 2014 to 2015, to do exactly what doctors told me to do. But after that, I think I started thinking seriously about building something for mentorship. Had I stayed at the firm, I might have always had the interest. I might have done some small things with girls here or there. I don't know that I would have tried to build something. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sure you would have found a way to build, to make that passion come to life. Uh, but yeah, it could, it would have maybe looked very differently. Mm -hmm. Since you had this moment or this, you know, very significant life event that made you change your path. How did you, did you grieve in any way when you were like, oh, I'm going to have to go? I don't think so. I think it was a very clear cut decision. It was the right decision. I knew it. The firm knew it. Um, and I did feel like I had done exactly what I wanted to do there. I had had such positive experiences there with the partners and the associates and firm management and had practiced that had built that I'd worked with other practice areas, which was a newfound pleasure which I didn't expect. I did feel like I had done pretty much what I wanted to do there and there wasn't anything left undone for me. Could I have done more and enjoyed it? Absolutely. But I didn't have any unfinished threads there to pull. I think that's very important. It's interesting because you had left and come back and then left mm -hmm. again. And so I think that that kind of completes a very different circle than just the first time. Mm -hmm. And I was there twice as long the second time. So I really did have a long stretch there. Yeah. 
And so you start thinking about this mentoring idea. You're like, okay, this there's there's something here. Clearly, this would be beneficial to girls. And I think, I mean, you can't be what you can't see. I truly believe that in that way. And it's very interesting that you said that girls that did they didn't know what their moms do, but they would know what their dads do. And I can see that after you started saying, you know, we would throw the briefcase or just go into like your life. It's very true. The focus of the mom will change into the kid um, versus necessarily talking about what they're doing. And I I Mm -hmm. never thought about it that way. Interestingly, though, I think where we saw that change was during COVID. Huh. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden moms were working more from home and we were all at the kitchen table and kids were doing their schoolwork and moms were on Zooms. And I think maybe for one of the first times girls saw up close and personal what it was like to watch mom work and hear her when she's leading a team or frustrated or you know scoring a win or anything like that and moms met the moment by being able to do everything from home but girls met their moms as mentors in a whole new way during that slice of time because we were all just seeing it face to face that's again had not thought about it i don't have kids so it's very difficult for me to think about it but i i know as a person you're very different you can be very different when you're in work mode than when you're in Mm -hmm. home mode there's going to be a generation growing up of kids who were home during COVID that will be very interesting to see i think so too yeah so you're thinking you know have this passion i think there's a need how do you start? I didn't know what it was going to be. In the very beginning, I thought maybe it was an event. It's a one-time thing, a girls' summit. I'll host it on my back porch, and I'll just have girls and accomplished women all in one place and let the girls ask all their questions. And I thought in the beginning that's what it would be. And then a friend of mine who had also been a lawyer with me and then is now a New York Times bestselling author, he said to me, you know, it's bigger than that. This is, it's not just a one day event. You need to build something where girls can come repeatedly and ask their questions and meet role models and lean into things at an early age where they might start quitting. And I started to get more into the data, particularly around middle school girls and seeing the confidence gap. And this is back in 2015. We've since run our own research, national research on this topic. But at the time, I was seeing that girls' confidence was falling 30% by age 14, that they were quitting their sports at twice the rate of boys at age 14. So that really did get me thinking if we could build something where at exactly the age where they might quit, they would meet the right mentor at the right time who could encourage them to stick with it. Don't quit soccer. Mm -hmm. I thought about it and now I play for the Olympics. You know, it's meeting them at the right time. I thought if we could build something. And so I built a website and you see the dotted line from doing knowledge strategy at Scadden to building mm-hmm. this in a little bit, you know, someone said to me, it's not a strategy for girls. That is a little bit of what you're building. You're collecting the latest and the greatest resources, dividing them by topic and making them free and accessible for any girl who wants them. So I built a website. It is not at all the website you see today, which is so much prettier and professionally done, but it was very drag and drop. Um, I went to some classes at General Assembly to learn how to do it. $20 classes, 7 p.m. at night on 20th Street. And uh and started doing that. And I launched it on Mother's Day of 2016, mainly because I thought everyone I knew would be on Facebook that day and I could get the word out. 
And it just was a landing place for motivated girls with quotes from amazing women at that time, just through my personal network. And after that, I started sending one cold email a day to women I didn't know. Most of the women I knew knew about it, but I started just throwing out the cold email here or there. I'm very new to the space. This is what I've just launched. I would love your feedback, good or bad. And I meant to, if it's a horrendous idea, somebody tell me early. And if it has legs or there's another facet I haven't seen yet, tell me that too. So that was really how I started. And then the feedback from those emails drove it. You started with the idea of an event and then grew it into in scale um, mm-hmm. into more an online platform. But were you already thinking like, this is what I'm doing full time? I'm going all in. Not yet, because I didn't know what it was. I had complete abject terror the day I launched the website. Standing in my kitchen, can hovering over the keyboard for far, far too long, terrified to just push publish. Uh, I didn't know what it was going to be. This could have been something where I was just talking into the wind and nobody heard it. I didn't know, but I wanted to try it. And frankly, I have enough passion towards the topic that if it had stayed small and helped a handful of girls, I think I would have been satisfied. And one of those emails that I sent was to Ariane Huffington because I had been to the Thrive Conference a couple of years prior. And she wrote back within six weeks of me launching saying, I love what you're doing. I want a video of you with your girls. She was doing that Talk to Me series on HuffPost. Uh, she wanted me to write monthly for Huffington Post, breaking down topics for girls. And that all of a sudden, it didn't just you know, get my attention that someone thought it was the right thing at the right time, but it gave me a voice, it gave me a microphone, it gave the girls validation. And that really got us moving to live events, which turned out to be the heart of Etra, which is girls who were drawn to the website and joined our board. I started taking them into companies, asking the girls, where do you want to go? Who do you want to meet? And the very first company we ever visited was Spotify. And I took 10 girls to Spotify and we met only women. And I think I told you this when I saw them that first time sitting in the boardroom, middle and high school age girls spinning around in their chairs, throwing their hands up to ask a question to this panel of amazing women who met with them. That was the moment where I thought, this is exactly what we should be doing. This is the heart of what we're going to do. We're going to go into companies that girls ask will see, and we're only going to meet women. And they're going to ask every question they can think of. And I say it all the time, right? They're going to learn to raise their hands instead of lowering their standards. But that was the moment where I thought I'm all in. But I think up until we were in the boardroom at Spotify, I don't know for sure. It's fascinating to me that you sent cold emails. I I truly believe that, you know, the people you meet and that's the way you you really figure out what you want to do, what you're doing. I mean, this is why I'm having these conversations. How did you approach those cold emails? Like, were you just, you know, throw it out into the world and see what happens? Or were you very strategic of like this person and um, how do you make it easy for them? That's a great question. I sent I sent emails out to people where I had some connection. I had been to a conference. We had met once or twice. Um, or if it was a cold email, it was because I listened to their podcast, adored their book, rewatched their TED Talk four times, something like that, where I felt there was something that resonated with me. So maybe it would resonate with them. I kept the emails really short. Um, the subject line was as crystal clear. And I always say that the subject line for an email is everything to me. So telling them exactly what I wanted. 
which was just a thumbs up, a thumbs down, one piece of advice, anything that would be helpful, but a light ask. I put the link in. If I knew someone that we knew someone in common, I will mention it. Or if they had complete disinterest, is there someone else they thought I could send it to? Mm -hmm. But I think each email might've been four sentences long and that was it. And I just got into the rhythm of sending one a day just to see. Did you get feedback from 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 those emails? I mean, besides Ariana Huffington, which is incredible. Yeah, that was, you know, that's where you throw the phone up in the air. I got great feedback. And again, some of it positive, some of it negative, all of it valuable. I had seen people say, people are already out there doing this. You should just team up with Girl Scouts or Girls Inc. or Girls Who Code. And I actually love the fact that Etra does partner with all three of those right now. Um, but, you know, there are people in the girl power space already, why reinvent the wheel? Um, you know, and the answer in my head was because this wheel's going somewhere else. Like, I want to just go directly into companies. That is what I want to do. Um, but it was a good reminder that feedback was a good reminder to see who else will be a sandbox and gauge seats for all of those girls on these visits, which we do. I got some feedback that said girls do not want a grown up telling them they should want to talk to. They don't want these suggestions. They're finding role models on their own. And I think to some extent that's true. The answer for me was, so let's ask them who they want to meet and then let's get that ungettable relationship. If a girl wants to know how to get her art seen at Pixar, let's find a woman at Pixar to talk to her. And maybe she can't do that on her own or through her school or through some mom network. But if, if Etrick can fearlessly ask and put the STEM girl face-to-face -face with an astronaut, Yes, why not? So it was good feedback in the sense of don't put the role models forward first. Find out who they want to meet and then go ask. And that was great feedback. Which goes back to the the sandbox, right? Like it is different than what Girl Scouts do, than what Girls Inc. do. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me because as I think about my future and when I think about like the ideas that I'd like to explore if I were to go the path of doing something on my own, that's one of the things that always comes to mind or people, you know, is there someone else doing it and is it the same and why should I do it? You should totally do it. I love, love what you do it. I have to say, because it's not just that you're going to do it in a way where your background at Elevate and your insight and all of that is going to inform this particular lens, but the timing too. You, just the timing is exactly right. Women are looking not just to pivot, but to springboard. And the conversations you're having, it's exactly Thank you. That, that's great feedback. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> you get feedback, positive, negative. And it can be, it can be harsh. It can be hard. So you incorporate it. And I mean, you are, you were an M&A lawyer. So let's talk about the fact that you had really thick skin. That's, you know, most, I think without saying very much so, uh, how do you decide this feedback I'm going to take, this feedback I'm not, and then how are, how do I move forward with that? The feedback I care most about, and so we we are seven years old now, and you know the the rate at which we've grown, I never ever could have predicted. But the feedback I care most about is from the girls, and we are growing with the girls. So when the girls said we want to go into these companies, we don't just want to interview women or have the quotes. We want to go into the companies. That changed everything. When the girls said, we want to ask our questions in a book, we want to ask, you know, during COVID, for example, and we couldn't go into companies anymore. And 
I'm not a writer. I had no illusions about writing in the holiday day soon. But the girls still had wanted to get their questions answered. Mm. So to reach out during COVID to 180 women and ask, how do you get an internship at SpaceX? How can I network on TikTok? You know, how can I prepare for a surgery career? What kind of research are they doing in space? All of these things. And women at all of those companies answer in a book form. That was because the girls had questions. So that's the kind of stuff I want to lean into. Um, we became a licensed TED-Ed club. I couldn't have predicted it, but feedback came from the girls. Again, during COVID, my spring musicals canceled. I have no fall soccer season. We have no yearbook this year because schools closed. And they're applying to college. And how are they going to show their passions? How are they going to distinguish themselves to that admissions office? And so now this is our third season. We've got girls doing TED-Ed talks in four different countries because girls everywhere needed to be her during that time, that's the feedback I care about is being able to meet their needs where they are through a network of amazing women. And I, I, I will say, because again, I'm a fan, these girls are so good. Helped me when I needed, when I was like, I really want to have girls on stage at our, at our mm -hmm. big conferences. And you would help me with um, some suggestions. And these girls are insanely good. Like it is, it is wonderful to see them uh, putting themselves out there like that. They are, they are brave and they're motivated and they're deeply interested in something. But what's just as amazing is the network of women that you and other women have generously shared to say, yes, I'll mentor that girl during her TED talk. Yes, she's going to write about Alzheimer's and art therapy. And I'm exactly the person who's done three studies on this and let me zoom with her. And then women in the woodwork to match their expertise up against some rising star's interest. That's where the connection is. And if I can just sort of be the shepherd for that, that's great. The girls are tremendous because they know that women are listening. Yeah, that's a good point. So what keeps you going really is the girls and what they're happening and what's happening with them and how you're helping them and that passion you have. Was there anything that you know, as you were starting particularly and uh, kind of in that messy middle of I, I'm still figuring this out, that made you think, oh, God, no, I should just stop and give up. I didn't know what would happen when they went left middle and high school and went off to college. That was a big question mark for me. Is this just going to be an organization that serves this age, you know, 12 to 18? Or do we have something to offer the older girl? And again, I didn't know the answer to that until we just grew with the girls. And that was a really happy discovery to see the girls in college say, hey, remember that woman I met at Morgan Stanley when I was in eighth grade? Do you think she'd look at my LinkedIn profile now? Remember that woman we met at Billboard? Do you think I can send her a resume? And because we bring small groups of girls at a time, you know, 25 at the most, the women remember who they've met. And every one of those women are saying yes. And so they're circling back. And there's this lovely pipeline that's forming where girls have an affinity towards that company because they visited and were welcomed in. And maybe they do go there for an internship. Maybe they do apply there for a first job. I wasn't sure whether Etra Campus or Postgrad or anything like that would have a space in our network. But this alumni community that we're just seeing start just at, at year seven is excellent and it could have gone the other way it could have been a big cliff and the girls just fell off after that and it doesn't seem like that's happening that's great becoming an entrepreneur 
and starting your business. And because um, Etra is a B, B Corp, right? Yep. It, yep. We are not yeah. a nonprofit. We're not a nonprofit. And I like to, right. to specify that because I think I might have my whole thing with nonprofits and B Corps, but I'm a very big B Corp fan. Um, and so starting this, it's a business. It's, you know, very different from what you're coming from. It's scary. You need support. Like, what would you say if you had to go back to the point where you're like, I'm doing this, I'm committed, I'm doing this. What would you tell yourself now that you wish you had known then? I tell myself what you should not have to tell an M&A attorney. <laughs> Let me just say that. I went into this with no business plan, no concrete business plan. It was organic. It was a let's see what happens. It's going to be self-funded. Uh, let's just go with the girls and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And that led to a lot of fantastic and authentic organic growth. But I wish I had gone back and had more benchmarks early on. I would like to be partnering with companies by this point. I would like to scale geographically by this point. I'm at sort of an inflection point now, and it was a little bit of a key point where we've got clubs in six countries. I've got clubs, you know, in a myriad of states in the U.S. and in Canada and, and staff. And I need more outreach specifically to schools or charter schools or homeschooling. And I haven't built the team yet that I really need to grow as fast as we're growing. And I had a solid, well-thought-out business plan from day one. And to do that, you have to have the faith that it's going to grow. And I just didn't know. So I had to have a little more faith and a little more pencil to paper. I would be in a better position now. We're going to do it. But there's a lot of times where I feel like we're just scrappy and with gum and a shoestring, we're making these things happen. Gloria Steinem did a live event in my living room in May with girls. But again... I know, but these things that I feel like they're still just sort of happening and we're swinging at every pitch, that's not the same thing as having a really structured plan. And it's embarrassing for me that I didn't have that. I didn't go into this thinking of it as much as a business as a patent plan. And I think that's a mistake a lot of founders make and I wish I hadn't made it. That's a very good point. I, I do understand passion being the driver um, and I'm I'm totally for, for that. It's true. Having a plan would help. Would you go back to you even before that, to that year where you were kind of resting and doing what the doctor said? You just left the firm. What would you tell yourself at that point, like even before you started? I think I would say you should trust that this has legs and that there is a need for this from girls and there's a real interest on the company side. I underestimated how much the companies would like it. A lot of companies, you know, we hope most companies want more women in the boardroom. And to do that, they need to be saving seats for girls. They need to be bringing girls in on more than just bring our daughters and sons to work day, the 30th anniversary of which was just this year. They need to be doing it on a regular basis so that girls see all the time what a work day looks like, what running a team looks like, and the companies love it. I wish I had believed early on that this was the right pairing and not thought of it as a what if. You know, it should have been more of a when and not a what if. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. That's just in, like us talking about it, but I do think I wish I had thought about it in those terms. I like that a lot. How did you realize uh, the interest from companies? 
because they started reaching out. Uh, we went to Spotify, YouTube, Google were among the first three, again, because the girls asked to go. And then I had a high school group who wanted to go to, we went to Morgan Stanley, we went to the stock exchange, and then someone from Goldman Sachs reached out. And they were like, hey, you see, you're doing this. You should come. And then I just started meeting people, and they were saying, we'd love to have you. Capturing those cultural moments. Come for Day of the Girl. Come for International Women's Day. Come for Equal Pay Day. And when that started happening and they started looking to it as content for their employees and for the women in their leadership groups, that was really uh, refreshing and exciting. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about that. Um, mm -hmm. I like the fact that they're bringing in the girls and seeing it as a benefit also for their employees because it really is. Mm -hmm. I just really have a real problem with companies just doing International Women's Day, Women's History Month. Um, I would always say, like, I'm popular. I was, I used to be popular. Right now, who knows? But I used to be popular in March and in September. So Women's History Month and Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, so it's good to see that something like this is happening throughout the year and it's their interest throughout the year. It's true. And I look at those moments. Yes. I look at those moments as sort of the springboard. It's right. the start. Maybe that's how we meet that company. But then would they love to have us come back for Halloween so we can do something fun with our slogan? Who do you want to be? Yeah. You know, it's there's a million reasons why girls should be in the boardroom. And maybe it's tailored to that company, or maybe it's simply the industry itself. And girls want to see, you know, more about advertising, more about finance. But I agree with you. If it's performative, that helps nobody. Yeah. But once we get in the door, we went to NASDAQ on a Monday for, you know, to meet women and sit in their boardroom and ask all questions. And they invited us back to ring the bell on a Thursday. That had nothing to do with, I mean, it happened to be during National Mentoring Month, but it also was because the girls came in and the women were so impressed with the questions the girls were asking that they invited us back later that week. That wasn't performative. That was just enthusiasm. Yeah, that's, I, that I think is, 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 is really great to see that it continues. Yeah. Because um, you never know. You never know. You kind of always knew this was your passion. Not always, but from, you know, pretty early before starting, mm -hmm. you knew this was your passion. Did you ever think of like exploring something else or was it always, this is the avenue? I think the interesting thing for me now is where does this go from here? You know, could we, something like Fathom, right? Could you team up with, you know, retail companies and do little capsule editions with clothing inspired by girls? You know, it's really cool. a set of sneakers with role model quotes on the bottom and we're walking in their footsteps or anything, you know, but ideas that the girls could influence. And I love fashion. I have no background in it whatsoever. But could this be something where we go into that because the girls get to meet women involved in that? Um, when we had women like Veronica Beard in the book and then she hosted our book launch. But the best part of that evening was how many high school girls got to talk to Veronica Beard about how she started with her sister-in-law and all of that, creating that access. There wasn't really anything else I thought I would do, but again, I'm the person who never thought she'd do anything but practice law ever. Um, <laughs> I have a ton of interests. I love politics. I love what I'm doing now. I love 
seeing more and more women in senior leadership positions because I think we're just going to take ourselves somewhere good. But my question now is what else can happen with this where the girls can go in all those directions? How do you keep yourself open to that, to like the ideas that may come? Uh, I'm trying not to swing at every pitch, as I said before, because I definitely went through a phase where I was like, yes, we will do that. Yes, we will go there. Yes, I will speak there. And you're one person at some point. You can't do that. I'm trying to be more strategic. And, uh, but at the same time, there are so many areas where I'm really curious. And I know the girls have that curiosity too. Getting more and more into the space industry. I sit on the education subcommittee for the space station national lab. And so every two weeks I get to talk to astronauts and pay specialists and all of these amazing people. Um, it's an area of deep fascination for me. Again, I have zero training for this or background, but the idea of getting more and more base-based resources from NASA, from the ISS into schools, particularly underserved schools, where their science curriculum may not have that, but we can bring that in, that's a newfound passion for me. Driven by the girls and the girls' schools and getting more girls and women into STEM, but I don't have to have that background to have a new passion for it and want to push that agenda forward relentlessly. Oh, I like that too, because it's about curiosity and about the goal. And then right. you go from there. Yeah. Um, if someone wants to get involved or wants to support um, ETRA in any way, how would that, how they go about it? Our website is etragirls.com, E-T-R-E, girls.com. We are at Etra Girls everywhere on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn, DM, reachable any and always. Um, and there's always something, uh, some way for people to get involved. You can be a mentor in an area where you have expertise. You can bring the club to your school. You can host at your company. You can mentor one-on-one, -on -one, especially for a homeschool club. There are a million ways to share inspiration and expertise with the next generation. And if it's a way I haven't thought of, I'm super open to that too. Amazing. Well, thank you. This was fun. I'm like, thanks so thank much. Thank you so much. I had a blast. There's such good questions. Thank you for listening to Shit, I Just Quit My Job. I hope you found this conversation useful and inspiring and maybe got a laugh or some ideas out of it. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. It means the world to me. Please share with your friends.